millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. As always, you are very welcome back to the Mind Poppers podcast. Um, something that has been a bit weird for me, or at least something that was making me think. I was scrolling through Facebook the other day, um, and I came across Fox News. Um, and I usually don't really engage with Fox News. Um, very obviously, it's a very right, uh, right-leaning um, media outlet in the States. But I do follow it because... You know, I do like to have an insight into all these political people's lives, you know. Like, I like to read the comments of Fox News um, because I think it gives you a real insight to these, like, diehard Republicans and what they're about and stuff, you know. Um, But I saw an article anyway the other day as as I was scrolling through the comments. And it was this article on uh, President Trump um, and he was going to be doing, like, the annual turkey pardoning, right? And it was the whole turkey pardoning thing that actually got me interested. Um, like I'm sure you've heard of it, but mightn't really know what it is. But basically, I think like every Thanksgiving, um, so every year, the president, whoever the president happens to be in the United States, um, holds this ceremony called the pardoning ceremony, where two turkeys um have been selected from whatever i guess farm like oftentimes these like farms are like states away and stuff basically two turkeys are selected and then those turkeys go before the president in the white house um in the rose garden um well it's actually only one turkey that will actually be before the president the other one i guess is waiting somewhere and then the president pardons these two turkeys from execution so that these two turkeys won't be slaughtered and they'll actually go on to live out the rest of their life at like a, a nearby farm or a university or, or some kind of petting petting zoo or I guess whatever. Um, but I thought that was so odd and it actually seemed quite dystopian to me, you know, in some ways like very kind of you know purge vibes you know like bringing these two creatures before you and then holding a ceremony about you know that granting them pardon so that they do not get slaughtered um and then like the president whoever the president is at the time was always like making jokes about eating them and stuff and look i i don't get it it just seems really fucked up to me and look i know most people eat turkey or whatever I'm not just saying this because I'm a vegetarian, but it just seems fucked up. Like holding this whole ceremony feels like very like secret order and then like are human sacrifice and then like the turkeys like granting pardon. I'm like, why do they do it? And I was trying to look up like where does this whole turkey pardoning thing come from in the States? 
um, and they're not really sure themselves. The Yanks aren't sure. From what I can gather, it actually dates back to kind of the times around Abraham Lincoln. Um, and he actually spared a Christmas turkey. He pardoned a Christmas turkey because his son, I guess, had like grown some sort of relationship with it. And then like this tradition continued on. Um, at least in the very least, it was picked up again by JFK, I think in 1963. I think he was the first person to like call it a, a turkey pardoning or whatever. Um, and then every year since the, the presidency has adopted it as like a pastime American tradition. And I always just thought it was just so fucked up and bizarre, like holding the ceremony and like, I don't know, like acting almost God like in a way, like you're part of the divine, you know, and grant, you know, your word will spare these two turkeys' lives. Like I said, I always thought it was very dystopian. Um, but you know what? And it's, it's like a very weird fucking tradition because, like, these two turkeys will be selected at like whatever farm you know they happen to be at, right? And then these two turkeys, um, whichever ones are selected, like, they will have like training. Um, so I guess they don't really act up on the day, the day of the pardoning. So like they will be like, you know, like surrounded by like cameras and like flash photography, like to get these turkeys used to like photographers, you know, that they're going to encounter at the White House. And they like have people around them and have like um, children around them and have like loud noises and shit around them again just to get them used to you know so they're on their best behavior for for thanksgiving pardoning so once the two turkeys anyway are selected in the end like they'll get transported so they'll get chauffeured like i don't know a couple of hundred miles thousand miles to washington dc um you know where the white house is um and then they get put up in a hotel. They'll get put up in like a five star hotel in like a big like suite. Um, and, you know, that's where they'll spend the night before they go for a pardoning. And I, I'm not like making this up. They'll actually go and people will book a room for these two turkeys, like big, two big double beds, big area. And it's like a whole thing that like so the turkeys can like relax before their pardoning. Um <clears throat> Then they go the following day and they do like the big ceremony in the Rose Garden or whatever. Um, and then I guess the turkeys get pardoned and they go on to live like, I don't know, like amazing lives or whatever. And look, it, it just it feels weird to me. And again, not just because I'm a vegetarian, um, even though I am and I don't consume animal flesh myself. And it always just reminds me of a very interesting quote, this whole turkey pardoning thing. It was something that J.C. Reese uh, wrote in his book, The End of Animal Farming. Um, he said that someday we look back on factory farming as one of the greatest moral mistakes in history. And I also do think that too. I think once, you know, people evolve, be it a couple of centuries or whatever, and when technology evolves and all that, that... um. I think that we probably do not, I think that we probably as people underestimate um, the animal's abilities to feel pain and, and, and just how intelligent and emotionally intelligent they are. They are sentient life after all. But this thing, I, I don't know, I, I know it sounds stupid, but it does 
sound very dystopian to me like a like a bad sci-fi horror movie you know and it really reminds me of the purge and you know the purge movie um, I mean, it's a whole fucking franchise now. But basically, the premise of the Purge movie is that, um, like, all crime is legal for 24 hours once a year. And this is done so that people can get, like, all the crime and the violence out of their system. And then the remaining 364 days of the year, these people, um, I guess, you know, live as, as good, civilized people. It always gets me thinking, watching The Purge. I'm like, would I partake in The Purge and go out and, you know, commit violence? Or would I, you know, stay in home, you know, buckled or bunker down, you know, and just like wait for the 24 hours to be over? So I always try imagine a world where, you know, there is a purge and it's purge day has arrived and I decide to go and purge and you know I load up my shotgun and I walk out that door and I wonder what will happen what will happen I think something along the lines of this would happen oh there's that elderly woman who asked me for her help with her bins one time and ended up making me miss the train people who say scone instead of scone there's an e at the end of it for a reason dumb bitch Oh, the drug dealer who acts like, my time doesn't matter. Smoke on this, Bob Marley. My friend Sinead, who spells nauseous, N-A-W-S-H-I-S. Read a book, idiot. Oh my God, Ed Sheeran, will you sign my bullet? Wow, I see you're wearing the new little clothing line. I guess you're like, really alternative. You know what would go well with that outfit? Oh, hey, Grandma, your signature stew again? Yum, don't mind if I do. No way, it's the Happy Pair Brothers. Listen, would you guys mind just standing back to back for a second real quick? Fake AirPods, now 50% off. Thank you, Connor Ryan. Let me swipe up, motherfucker. (laughs) That was fun. That was fun um but I do wonder what would happen if you know we did have like a real life purge and and that shit happened you know we had one one legal day a year where we could you know I guess indulge in our animal instincts you know I guess there would be a lot of people you know that would go out and murder and and rape and rob and um I mean, I don't think that I would. I definitely wouldn't partake in the murdering and the rape. Um, But you know what I'm not opposed to is I'm not opposed to some old looting, you know? If if, if crime is legal one day a year, yeah, I I could see myself doing a a fair bit of looting, you know? Um, But it's like, I mean, I feel like we had like almost purged it. Like you remember like back in 2015, where the government, the Irish government, I guess, found a loophole in the law, which meant that, like, drugs, that, like, ecstasy, ketamine, and, like, benzos were, like, legal for, like, a a 36-hour gap while they made, like, some sort of emergency drug law. Um, Like, what the fuck was that? Looking back, that does feel like a fucking fever dream, doesn't it? Like, we're seeing, I remember seeing the news that day, like like well five years ago I guess and 
it was like drugs are legal now I was like what the fuck <laughs> I was like I love this country um but it did, and then remember we had that like big crane someone drove that crane through little you know like people be doing this shit when it's not even purge day like so can you imagine what people would be doing during the purge because you know that there are some freaks out there like I don't think a very big percentage of the population is going out there um murdering and raping but you know that there are some freaks out there there's going to be some people out there that are definitely going to engage with that you know I think really for the most part the people who have the most to fear would be the likes of like the politicians and the doll and stuff like I can imagine like people looking for blood of these politicians and I wouldn't blame them either it's the politicians really who have the most to worry about if we ever have a purge you know it would really be an instance I believe of eat the rich and I know that does sound all very dystopian like something from a horrible sci-fi film but I guess the cruel reality is it's like purge day is every day for us isn't it I mean you know every day bombs are being dropped we have ice detention center kids in cages we have human organ harvesting in China um people bombing the Middle East you know how many kids dying of hunger every minute um yeah so that is something to think about I guess you know we are really living our purge is just 365 days a year but again in saying that it's not like I have never you know broken the law you know there's been some nights when I've been out on the piss and you would think the way I'm acting like it is fucking purge night remember being in in a hotel one night and and this hotel had something on like in its function room I guess it was like some sort of like beauty pageant or whatever and I remember being just like pissed out of my mind um it was a hotel in Kerry um I remember being upstairs um and I saw they had like set aside like this big bouquet of flowers and a bottle of white wine for whoever won this beauty pageant but I mean it didn't take very long I was sitting on the ground up there sculling that bottle of wine straight from the bottle and then like got up and like stumbled towards like the stairs to the foyer like walking down the stairs like you know bottle of wine in one hand you know practically shaking and then holding the bouquet of flowers in the other hand and walking down the stairs like king fucking shit you know um like I like I had won that beauty pageant I remember walking down the stairs like thank you thank you very much it's like I I I just want world peace and blackout you know so look far be it for me to judge what you guys get up to during your purge and I remember um just patrons of the hotel looking at me as I made like my grand entrance down the foyer staircase being like who is that fucking crackhead you know um and at the time I was just a party girl with a bad habit you know what can I say it was during my time where I was like a big white wine drinker like I had you know started off drinking vodka um vodka was my drink but you know what like it was very hard for me in terms of 
um, amounts and consistency, you know, with vodka, more often than not, like I was just, I was puking, you know, after vodka, having terrible hangovers. So eventually I thought I'd class it up and I would start drinking white wine and white wine became, you know, my poison, my drink. And I remember like there, there was a space, it must have, it must have went on for about three years because, you know, with your drinks, it's very cyclical. We all have a, a drink of choice evolution, if you will. And, you know, I had moved on from vodka and I was starting on the white wine. And I remember for pre-drinks, like before we'd go out to the club or whatever, I would buy two bottles of Blossom Hill Savion Blanc. And then I would fucking Blanc out. Like Blanc the fuck out. Like two bottles of white wine. I'd have my first bottle of white wine, I'd scald that. And then I'd like bring like a, a TK, TK Max lemonade, or sorry, TK lemonade, a white lemonade to mix with the second bottle of wine. And I was like, I just used to be like, fucking blackout before I left the house like two bottles of white wine and if if you have ever gotten fucked up on white wine like you'll know that that white wine drunk is just it's just a whole a whole nother level it's a whole new ball game and two bottles of white wine like the amount of fucking calories first of all that I just didn't even think about that were in those two bottles um but, you know, and, and the thing was, like, I'd go out and I'd get so fucked up. And then I'd go out and maybe order another four glasses of wine. So, I mean, at least. And then I'd move on to the spirits. So, I any, like, one night, you know, going out, I could have three bottles of white wine. And I knew I had to stop, first of all, because I was just getting myself into all kinds of trouble. You know, the kind of white wine blackout when you wake up and it's, like, literally memory erased like you wake up every fucking Sunday morning like Drew Barrymore in 51st dates and someone has to play a video of all the fucking shite you did the night before and you're there just in a ball of fear and you just want that bed to swallow you up because anything the the darkness of the void is more enticing than having to face the shit that you've done the night before and I knew I finally like called it a day, I was like, I had to hang up the wine glass, because what I had noticed was, like, any time there was, like, a anything like wine meme kind of thing on Facebook, back when everyone using was using Facebook, like, any time there was any wine meme going around, everyone would tag me in it, it was like, oh, tag someone who would, um, who would like like a glass this big and like a picture of fucking Betty White drinking out of this giant fucking wine glass. And anytime something like this would come up, I'd be tagged like four or five times in this by like four or five different people. And I was like, oh my God, I was like, this actually isn't funny. I'm not clicking onto this being like, <laughs> I'm clicking onto this being like, oh my God, the people of this town and the people that know me, you know, they all have this common consensus that I'm a fucking why no? And I had to like sit back and ask myself, at what point of, of of this, you know, did it turn on, you know, people thinking that I was a fucking wino? That's not something that I wanted to associate with my name, fucking wino, you know? Um, and I, it all started off when I started working in the hotels, in the nightclub. We had a nightclub in the hotel. Um, and I remember my first night, my first fucking night of employment, we all stayed for drinks afterwards. Um, and I had drank so much white wine, you know, didn't pay for a penny of it, you know. I don't, I don't pay for stuff where I work as a rule of thumb, you know. I work that into my own, like, unspoken contract. Um, 
But then I was found by my bar manager passed out on the second floor of the hotel and they didn't fire me, you know, because they knew the working conditions were tough. So they allowed people, you know, they gave them a bit of leniency or whatever. But I guess it was really that time working in the nightclubs that spurred off this whole like white wine thing for me. And it was just not a good fucking fucking time in my life at all. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And thank God I made the natural progression from white wine onto champagne or a prosecco but I I don't prosecco is not a a word that really appears in my everyday vernacular you know I if it's if it's fizzy wine I will call it champagne because you know it carries a certain class doesn't it when when you say when someone's like oh what are you drinking tonight and you're like oh I just got a bottle of champagne and not only that okay but I was the person that would rock up with the bottle of champagne and I'd bring myself a punnet of strawberries. You know, I was going all out. If I'm going out once a week and if I'm drinking champagne, you know, then I'm going to do it right. Um, so I'd have my champagne and I'd have my punnet of strawberries. I remember I rocked up to, to one of the lad's girlfriend's birthdays um, a couple of years back. Around at the corner anyway, they were all at the back garden. Um, and I had my big bottle of champagne and a punnet of strawberries. So the, the girlfriend's father came out and was like, oh, very good. He was like, how many glasses do I need? Um, and I looked at him and he looked at me and there was an awkward silence. And I was like, uh, fucking one. You know, what does this look like? St. Saint, Saint Vincent de Prosecco? No. You know, you'll bring me one glass, sir. Um, and then, you know, what really bugged me when I was going through this... Um, this phase of of sh- drinking champagne it was you know when you go to people's houses um and you I'd be like oh can, can I have a glass please you know just for the for the champagne and they'd come out of the kitchen with like a fucking mug you know like one of those fucking Irish guide dogs you know like five euro fucking mugs I'm like are you are you kidding me are you fucking kidding me? There was actually, there's just nothing worse. There's nothing like the disrespect when, you, when you're drinking wine or, or champagne in somebody's house and you ask for a glass and they bring you like a mug or a pint glass. And as if, you know, as if I'm going to drink my wine or my champagne out of your, your dusty, crusty, teabag stained fucking mug. Why don't you come over here and spit in my fucking face? Because that would be less offensive than what you're doing to me right now. Some people just really, right, they don't have this host gene in them. You know, I'd be fucking mortified. 
I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it to anyone. I wouldn't bring around a fucking mug if someone was drinking champagne. What kind of sick psychopath does that, you know? Um, And it's like, as well, when you go to these people's houses, you know, and I'm like, okay, you know, can I just give me a wine glass, please, if you don't have a, have a champagne flute. Uh, I'll have a wine glass. And they'll be like, oh, well, I, we actually, you know, only have the good wine glasses, you know, and, and my parents wouldn't, you know, they're water for a crystal. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? How much of a fucking hump? Do you people have to be where those, like, whatever, if they're Waterford Crystal, okay, first of all, they're, they're Waterford Crystal, they're not Diamante, you know, so reel it in very quickly. And it's like, no, you're right, you're right, God forbid one of those, God forbid I'd smash a glass, God forbid I would drop one of those Waterford Crystal glasses that have been up in that dusty, rackety fucking cupboard 365 days a year because no one in this house drinks fucking champagne but no god forbid god forbid i would disturb the fucking dust on those glasses heaven forbid that don't understand people okay who who have these fancy glasses or whatever um i i, I never use them and like never, I'm like, what is the point? Why are you such a miser, Ebenezer Scrooge? Give me a fucking glass. Like, what are you so afraid of? Like this, that is some harder shit. You know, people look who have these glasses and then just lock them away and never use them. And as well, like, I'm, I'm right, I'm sorry. If you're going to be having people up to your house, you can get like a six pack of of white wine glasses for like a fiver in Aldi and Little, and you could probably get them cheaper in other places I'm just like don't have people up to your house if you're not equipped to play host and like while I am a fantastic host and I do go beyond and beyond I like to put on a show like I remember one year um I was having the lads up to my house it was actually when I was living with my cousin Debbie who was super cool okay she was a cool bitch to live with but like if she was away for a weekend and she'd be like oh are you gonna have the lads off and I'd be like oh yeah I think I will you know there was no awkwardness about it she really you know like let me treat the house like it was my own home um so I told the lads um and the girls I was like yeah we'll come up to my place okay for pre-drinks and what we're going to do we're going to have a party so they all arrived. As soon as they arrived, okay, I had the place decked out with like all these artificial flowers hanging from the ceiling. Okay, the place looked like the fucking jungle book. Um, and then I decided to throw an impromptu roses and thorns party. Okay, and maybe this is something that you guys could ad- adopt in your own life. Um, but it was actually, you know, it was a really, really incredible party, if I do say so myself. And the whole concept behind a Roses and Thorns party, and I, this is actually something that I um, borrowed from the Real Housewives of New York. Um, but so basically, you know, you decorate the place with like roses and artificial flowers. Um, it, they're not going to break the bank you know you can go on to Amazon so what you do right is you have like a bowl and you have these little bits of um, paper and basically you tell all your guests to write down one rose so the rose being something positive in their life something you know that they've got going for them right now and something that they're actually really really enjoying about themselves you know something that brings them great joy and you get them to you know fold that up and put it into the bowl and then you also then have a thorn bowl. Um, 
and in the very same way you get everyone to write something down but you get them to write down something that is a little less positive in their life something that actually may be like a I guess a source of anxiety or just something that's really impacting them negatively you know their thorn and it's all anonymous you know no one's signing a name and then you take turns um you know reading out from the bowls um and a lot of people then will own up to okay that was my thorn or or that was my rose and it's actually like a real like I don't know it nourishes a lot of um I guess, unity and openness and transparency between your friend group. It's actually a really cool thing to do. And it's funny. I went all out, you know, like I said, um, and I even paid for a geo filter on Snapchat back in the day and decked it out with roses and thorns. Um, So anybody who was, say, like in a five kilometer radius would have access to this filter um, and you'd people in town being like, oh my God, what is this fucking filter? Where did this fucking filter come? I was like, sorry, you got to be on the fucking guest list, bitch, you know? Um, and it was an amazing time. So and, and let me tell you, right, the power of these rose parties, these roses and thorns parties. I threw one one year and someone had actually used, like soaked in this atmosphere that I created the perfect host created of openness and support and vulnerability and and somebody you know decided to come out to their friends and tell them you know that um they were part of the LGBT family and all that which I thought was beautiful that is how you fucking host a party okay if someone does not come out at one of your fucking parties then you're not doing it correctly And you know what, unfortunately, we've reached that beautiful time of the year with the where the age old discourse of whether or not people should say faggot in the fairy tale of New York by the Pogues every single year. The oh, they just love it. The press loves to beat this story like a dead fucking horse. Every, I, you, as soon as November comes around like it's it's always the two biggest things two first things are the signals of, of the holidays are coming is one Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas re-enters the charts and two people start the discussion about whether or not they're allowed to say faggot um, you know what was interesting this year around is you've seen a lot of articles and stuff from I think BBC Radio 1 has you know made a statement saying that it's going to be playing like a a censored version of the song so it would you know remove the word faggot from the song um which obviously is getting a lot of backlash by people um um but the interesting thing this year around was we have actually seen like the actual Pogues themselves on their on their Twitter accounts actually coming out in defense of these people censoring the word and you've actually seen them actively um, retaliating against people who are fighting for the inclusion of the word faggot in the song so that is quite an interesting dynamic that we haven't seen before and you know what I get it I I get both sides of of the argument in terms of this song Um, I mean like when I'm rapping a song you know I'm a big fan of rap like, I don't say the N-word, you know, when I'm rapping. Um, so, and like, I think most, I mean, a lot of people don't. A lot of people still do. I personally, I don't. I mean, I've even gotten to the stage where if I'm like at home in my room alone and I'm listening to a song, like I still won't rap the N-word. 
you know, I just shut my mouth every time somebody says it. Um, I don't know. I think for me, it's just like a personal sign of respect because I know what that word represents and what it, what it has represented. So I guess I kind of approach the fairy tale of New York with the same with that, with that same ideology, and look, I get it, a lot of people are going to be like, you know, like snowflakes, like, again, at the same time, though, I'm like, a lot of you seem to be fighting really hard to say the word, you know, like, I look around at a lot of people, like, a lot of people, like, are bursting at the seams, you know, when November and December start, not because they're excited for Santa Claus, or, you know, the the Coca-Cola truck to pass through town, they're, like, just absolutely buzzing on life that they can finally scream out the word faggot and have no repercussions um which is weird like I understand the discourse and I understand people being like oh just leave the word in the song but also like it seems like a lot of people are fighting like very hard to say the word faggot for their right to say the word faggot like a lot of people are like Michael Collins did not die so that we could not say the word faggot you know like, I don't understand why it's such a big deal. And I understand, like, this fight comes up every year again and again. I'm like, why is why is your opportunity to, to say the word faggot out gleefully, you know? Why is that the hill that you want to die on? And look, I can understand it's, it's a song from another time and it's a song that's close to, to people's hearts because it is, like, a real, I don't know, signifier of the Irish Christmas, you know? Um, so I, I do get that, you know, but at the same time, like, and you can, you can call Snowflake all you want, but, you know, obviously for a lot of people, you know, people aren't getting offended because, you know, they're bored and they want to be offended. You know, I feel like for a lot of people, that word, you know, is a real trigger for them. Do you know a lot of people, you know, who would have grown up, you know, younger in school and like would have been like mercilessly bullied and like you know having the word faggot used against them you know especially if they're part of the lgbt community and then like to have to go out and be in pubs and be in clubs like during the holidays and like you know being in that atmosphere where people are like you know singing the fairy tale in new york and like seeing everybody like just like scream out with glee the word faggot and like you have these lgbt people like who are seeing their friends like shouting out the word faggot and shouting uh, or and like family and friends and like everybody around them um so you like i can understand like how that is triggering for a lot of people and because people don't just like say it like you know, like, oh, you cheap, lousy faggot. As in, like, people gear up to the sound. They're like, are you ready, lads? Are you ready, lads? It's coming up now in the next verse. It's coming up. Yeah, cheap, lousy faggot. Way, way, I said way. Do you know, people love it. And I think it's at which the tenacity that they say it is very triggering to some people. So, I mean, it is something to think about, you know. People aren't being offended for the sake of being offended. People are being offended because it, it truly, it hurts them inside it. It makes them feel bad. So I guess it's up, you know, to you or and to all of us really, if that is something worth continuing, do you know? It's definitely not the hill that I want to die on. Um, although I know there will be a lot of people sad this Christmas if they're not allowed to say the word faggot, you know? 
Um, it's tradition. A lot of people will say like putting the putting the baby Jesus in the crib on Christmas Eve, you know, leaving cookies out for Santa, you know, leaving some chopped up carrots out for the reindeers, you know, moving um, Buddy the Elf around, saying the word faggot aloud. Um, so it is discourse and I am sick of it. It's so annoying. I'm just, I wish the conversation would end. Um as I talk about it. Um, but you know who has a big part to play in all of this discourse is the likes of um, these kind of inter-county radio stations. So not so much like the giants like Today FM and News Talk and those likes, but you have like the likes of saying Cork, we have like 96FM and Red FM. And the... For, for the last couple of years, radio stations like this, they'll post deliberately these kind of articles that they know will drive up so much division and discord and hate speech. Like, for example, around Christmas, and, and I guarantee you we're going to see it again. I remember last Christmas, one of these radio stations had something up, like they shared an article and it was like, oh, um, you know, people outraged that um, Santa Claus can't, or Santa Claus, you know, isn't a woman, or Santa Claus, you know, that we don't have a transgender Santa Claus working at the mall, and this kind of shit. Let me tell you this, okay? Nobody is fucking outraged at that. Nobody is outraged at that. Don't buy into that kind of clickbait. You probably have one sad sack of shit who said something along those lines. Nobody, I guarantee you, no one in the LGBT community gives a flying fuck if Santa is transgender. You know, no one is trying to rewrite... Santa's gender identity so don't buy into things like that and I think it's so fucking evil of these radio stations you know um and then of course like people just eat each other alive in the comments you know and it's just full of this like transphobic rhetoric and the radio stations are delighted because they you know will pull in traffic from this you know um you know like oh we have Neil Prenderville today who's talking to you know Cynthia who is going mad that Santa Claus doesn't have a pussy in 2020 no nobody gives a fuck nobody gives a fuck what santa's packing you know as long as he's still coming around with that big fat bag every year no one gives a fuck what santa's packing so don't let yourself get kind of caught into that kind of discourse as well because there is a lot of people a lot of peddlers of this kind of shit that you will see and i think to be honest it's actually quite evil now i digress with all this talk of parties um and getting wine blackout drunk and all that i mean we have to also look at there mightn't happen for a long time unfortunately you know we're still in fucking lockdown as with you know practically the rest of the world but you know there is some things that i would be happily seeing dying out in after this you know pandemic is over or at least you know further in the future and i think something you know interestingly enough that is going to die out is going to be the handshake okay and i and i'm not mad about that and you know what like the handshake obviously for us is, is a form of greeting but there is amazing diversity of like greeting customs around the world. Like in Tibet, like sticking out your tongue can be a way of welcoming people. In like New Zealand, the Maori greet each other by touching noses, you know, like the Eskimos. Ethiopian men touch shoulders and in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, like male friends will touch foreheads. 
in many Asian countries, like we as we know, people will do some sort of bow or like a, a curtsy, um, if you will. And obviously in like European countries as well as some of the Arab countries, we have like hugs and kisses and cheeks around the norm. Um, but obviously, I guess one of the most universal things seems to have become the handshake. <clears throat> I'm like, where did these customs evolve from? You know, like who was the first person to to shake somebody's hand and be like, okay, we're going to make this a worldwide worldwide custom of greeting. You know, interestingly enough. So I was looking into it. Apparently there's some stuff that's saying that like the history of the handshake uh, dates back to the 5th century BC in Greece. And it was actually like done as a symbol of peace, showing that neither person was carrying a weapon. And then moving on, like during the uh, the Roman era, the handshake was like actually more of an arm grab. You know, the way you see those two, um, or like the gladiators would like grab each other's arms. And like that involved uh, like grabbing each other's forearms. And it was actually to check that neither man had a knife hidden up his sleeve. And then some say that like the shaking gesture of the handshake actually started in medieval Europe, that like knights would shake the hand of others in an attempt to shake loose any hidden weapons. So I guess it has become more of, um, I guess it has evolved from more of like a defensive tactic, you know, and then eventually evolved into a greeting, which is actually quite fascinating. Um, but you know that the handshake has been dying out for quite some time where it's, you know, like we're, we're a fist bumping people now, aren't we? And I'm not mad about that. I, for one, will be happy if the coronavirus kills one thing, puts an end to one thing, let it be the handshake. There's just nothing worse. Like for me, handshakes are always so awkward. Like, for instance, the last time, right, I went into a job interview and you have to shake people's hands, you're expected to, which I'm just not about, you know, don't touch me, unless, you know, I put myself forward, it was so awkward, I remember the last time I was going, and for this work interview, right, and I was shaking this person's hand, but like, whatever way my hand came up, it came up really weird, so they like, grabbed it, but they like, like, grabbed my fingers, so for example, if you watch The Crown, it was like, you know, the way, um, when like the prime minister or anybody's talking to the queen, like they hold their hand like that in that very delicate fashion and be like, and like kiss the top of the hand, you know, that kind of like, oh, you know, motherfucker, (laughs) kind of way. I just remember being so fucking mortified in that interview that like, as in like how fucking delicate, you know, how much of a fucking pussy must these guys think that I am, that I'm putting out the hand like, oh, <laughs> which I would never you know I just don't have good experiences with a handshake I remember when I moved to Dublin a couple of years back for the first time um and I had no contacts or anything but eventually someone set me up um with this drug dealer um and I was going meeting him for the first time um and he opened the door and he was this like big tall handsome black dude um and he was like, oh, you're Adam, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And we walked up, whatever. And he was, I saw that he was putting his hand out. And I was like, Ugh, no, I was like, not the dreaded handshake. I have bad experience with this. So I went anyway to shake his hand. But as it turns out, right, it was like photo finish. If you could like put it in slow motion. He actually went, right, to give me a fist bump. But I didn't know that I wasn't anticipating a fist bump. So I put my hand out as to shake his hand. So what actually happened was he had his fist out and I like, grabbed his fist with my open hand and like shook his hand up and down (laughs) I was like ah ah 
water, like, let the ground fucking swallow me up. Oh my god, I was, like, this guy must have thought I was such a fucking pussy, like, such a nerd. <clears throat> I just wasn't anticipating the fist bump. He caught me off guard, you know? Uh, but that guy turned out to be really cool um, and never brought it up. So I really, really appreciate that. And there's been plenty of times as well. I remember when I was in college in Cork um, and, like, we were working in, like, the, the student magazine, which I loved. Um, I remember one of the girls there, one of the editors or whatever, she was like introduced because we were all very close knit, you know, you know, in that in that magazine in the headquarters. Um, I remember this girl was introducing us to her boyfriend for the first time. And I don't know, was I like drunk or high or whatever? <clears throat> but I was kind of like having this anxiety already. I was like, I was like turned to the person next to me. It's like, because I was the only guy there. There was it was all the girls and there was other guys in the office at the time. And I was like, do, will, I, will, I, will I shake his hand? Like, do I shake this motherfucker's hand? Or, or what? Because he, you could tell the way he was dressed. He was like wearing a coat, like a trench coat. Like he looked like the motherfucker that would shake a hand when he walked into a room. So I was like, oh my God, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? So I went, I just walked up to him and I went to shake his hand. But he was walking like towards me just to say hello. But he'd gotten too close so that we couldn't shake hands and before I knew it it was too late he actually wasn't going for a shaking the hand he was just coming over to say hello but it was too late my hand had already gone down and brushed off his crotch because he'd gotten so close and he wasn't anticipating the handshake and I was like oh my god I was like I'm so sorry I was like my hand just uh, he was like no it's fine it's fine it's fine it's like no no but my hand just like you know rubbed up against your dick I was like I'm sorry that's like literally not what I was trying to do I thought you know you might have been one of those handshaking motherfuckers and I was trying to you know do the right thing or whatever you know I swear I wasn't really I swear I wasn't trying to grab your fucking goxer um but it turned out he was cool as well so what I say is you know rest in power to the handshake something that and I, the reason I don't think that it's coming back is because people have been you know so scared or whatever with these with the germs and the transmission of germs whatever through you know contact with hands I really think that this is going to be the decline of the handshake I mean look our the younger generation we're more huggers you know we are we're more emotionally available than our predecessors um <clears throat> so I say bon voyage to the handshake to the little motherfucker we don't need it anymore and with that farewell to the iconic handshake, I bid you adieu. Um, <clears throat> if you haven't gotten the chance yet, we would appreciate it if you rated the podcast and left a review down below. It means a lot. In the meantime, stay woke. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.